0: Welcome to Streams of Income with Ryan Rieger. Today we play Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on when play Lego. Here's my Daddy, Ryan Rieger. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger, and today we're chatting with David Graves. He's actually a friend of uh, Stephen Hibbert, who is often my co host, and Stephen's on this as well. Uh, Stephen knows David from church. And so yesterday, Stephen and I had a call and we were talking about just how a lot of entrepreneurs, I think even me, uh, we are very short-term thinking. We think about the next six months, next year, and what I need to do today, right now. And Stephen, I I love having him around because he he just always is thinking long-term and he's challenging me to think, what does 20 years, 30 years from now look like? Um, What does it look like, you know, um, Stephen is about 10 years younger than me. Yeah, he's thinking about legacy. And I feel like I'm so focused, like, you know, look, like looking down at like right now, the next step. And yeah, there's really, you know, definitely place for that. You've got to you can't be so long term thinking that you don't do anything today. And I'm such an action t- action taker but I tend to just think about you know, like the next year, the next two years. And it's hard for me um, to, you know, think about 20 and 30 years from now. And so uh, Steven is awesome at that. And so, in light of that, he said, we need to talk to my friend David from church. And so we did that. He's a, uh, I believe he's in his sixties. He just sold a uh, consulting business that he was a part of. And we just had a conversation about uh legacy, about what, uh, different stages of life, like in your 20s and 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and the things that you think about and how to have that long-term view of your life and your business and what that means for what you do today. It's fascinating. Uh, I learned a ton. Here's our episode and our interview with David. David, welcome to Streams of Income. So good to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so you just came on, but Steven was on a call with me yesterday and he said, we need to talk to David. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so that's why we're here. So I always... Uh, I love hearing people's stories. There's so much gold that comes from it. You learn so much from people's journeys. So tell us about yourself and how you got to where you are and what you're doing. Well,
1: I recently sold my consulting practice um, to uh, a new partner in okay. our firm. And that was, uh, that was kind of a major um, uh, change in terms of stage of life. So um i'm i'm happy to tell you sort of how how did i end up as a as a management consultant and all the the years that went before that yeah Um, but yeah the last few years um i was a co-owner of a consulting practice um that um focused on helping uh organizations to grow very growth oriented and our clients have been of two types. Um, one were people who are having problems and needed to, to do something different, Mm -hmm. um, in order to grow their business often with, you know, losses in revenues and profitability. Mm -hmm. Um, the other type of client are clients who are doing great and are thinking about what to do for the future, how Mm -hmm. to sustain the growth, how to expand into new areas. And so, um, so those are uh, that. That's kind of the background of of everything that we that we did. Yeah. We grew that consulting practice from just myself and my partner and one employee to twenty employees, wow. um, all you know, full time consultants and analysts. And how, how
2: many? How long did that take? I was going to say how many years, but I don't even know if it took you a year. Yeah, it's it, seven years. Seven um, years. Yeah, wow. yeah. We we we
1: chose to grow. Um, you know, as growth consultants, <laughs> we had to think <laughs> about our own growth path.
0: Yeah. And,
1: um, yeah, we chose to grow in a controlled way. Mm. Um, in our particular sector, we tended, we had clients in different areas, but we tended to focus on education clients, mm. colleges, universities, K-12 private schools, oh, wow. publishers, Um, so the whole education sector and there are some very formidable competitors in the space like BCG and McKinsey, um, that, um, we would, we would initially, we never saw them, but then we began to actually bump up against them toward (laughs) the last few years where we would be bidding on the same projects Mm. and uh, we would, we would often win because of our specialization.
0: Wow. That's so cool. So essentially like if I'm a college president and I need more students, I might simply, call you guys and say hey can you help us get more students in the door so we it, yes wow. uh, yeah. now
1: what although we would we would tend to look at that as as a more um systemic issue mm-hmm. um within the institution but yes um we had a number of college presidents that hired us actually one here in florida we had um over a five-year period we, we have 12 consecutive projects, um, including, but, um, not exclusively related to enrollment. Yeah.
2: Steven, you're about to say something. Well, I was just curious (laughs) of the, the going into that industry is because you had a past history in that. So just choosing that sector is interesting to me. And then did you start that business with the exit strategy that you were going to sell to a partner? No. Not particularly. I mean, I, I knew at some point that I would exit.
1: Um, but, of course, we didn't know how the business was going to turn out. Yeah. Um, so uh, we ended up, you know, growing the business, you know, to... When I left, it was about six times the size of when we started in terms of revenues. Man. And we were always profitable. We were always p- able to pay our own salaries and, and our employees. So, um, So that was good. Yeah. But I think, you know... Um, the the sort of lessons learned along the way really grew out of um our own experiences of managing organizations mm-hmm. and um in my case i had i had managed um significantly uh an organization under a company called laureate education mm-hmm. um and th- that business when i when i sort of inherited it it was one it was one school in Switzerland, actually, mm-hmm. in the hospitality management um, area, and we ended up over time acquiring and building um, new units around the world. And so, I had a global organization with thirteen colleges. Um, that organization had about twelve hundred employees, um, wow. and you know became became a really significant player in the global. Um, hospitality management world placing wow. students in international hotel chain like management training programs and so on um, and uh and that that sort of environment gives you pretty much any kind of problem that you could think of uh, so regulatory problems um, <laughs> uh which which could be significant because laws and and um regulations in various countries um, wow. you know, are all over the place yeah and and it's also a, a situation where because you're doing dealing with so many different people and cultures in remote environments mm. um, uh, all kinds of things would happen mm. so um, <laughs> and so you're constantly dealing with with h r issues as as a major part of the job. Wow. Um, But overall, I think, you know, it's also an opportunity to sort of think through how do you create a system that works Mm -hmm. in, in such a diverse um, environment? And Mm -hmm. how do you sort of think through the main values that run through those businesses? Mm -hmm. And, um, in the in the international education world, um, there are great players, and then there are a lot of players that are not great. Um, either don't offer a great product, or or outright, you know, deceive students, um, particularly for the for the international residential programs. Mm. And uh, and so it's important to have high integrity, to be transparent, to. Yeah um have a have a set of values that you instill very intentionally mm. across your management team so that it nice. so that it then goes down into the organization.
2: How long did you work for that company? and when you were exiting that company, did you know you were going to start this business so um yeah so so the first um,
1: sort of tranche was um. 17 years um, with uh, Laureate Education, which had started life as Sylvan Learning Centers. And my initial role with them as head of marketing for Sylvan Learning Centers, um, uh, first in the U.S. and then globally as they expanded. Um, And then, uh, actually, I left with the intention of joining a K-12 international group. And so I joined Nord Anglia Education. And, um, grew very quickly. I was with them for about two years and that was a very high, um, high activity, um, situation. We, we grew that business in a two year time frame from about 60 million in revenue to 220 million oh, <laughs> through, through acquisition primarily okay. and or, and organic growth as wow. well. Um, so that, that, that was a crazy busy time. And, um, at that point, I was like, you know what? I've, I've hit sixty. I'm traveling like crazy, and uh, maybe, maybe this sweet little consulting business would be a a nice change of life. Mm-hmm. Turned out that was busy too. But wow.
0: <laughs> whatever. Did you um real quick thinking about like uh, we we've had a lot of people on that talk about you know, niching down versus being broad and all that. So when you started the consulting business, did you immediately know from day one that it was going to be specialized in education? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, my business partner and I were
1: not entirely aligned on this. Mm. Um, so the the uh, what I hadn't told you is before entering the education space, I was in the consumer products world. So, mm. spent my first two years out of out of graduate school with I have an MBA, and first two years were with the Quaker Oats Company, working on the Gatorade brand, and then wow. working on frozen foods. Uh Then I moved to the Colgate Palmolive company and um, spent eight years um, actually focused on one brand, which is the Science Diet pet food brand. Uh
0: Um,
1: And then part of that was in the US. And then we moved to England and I was involved in expansion of the brand um, in Europe. Uh Um, So I've always had this sort of international side and, Mm -hmm. you know, the consumer product sides. When I, when I entered Education with Sylvan Learning, it was taking the marketing skills, was primarily what transferred from one industry to the okay. other. Yeah. And um and then I became enmeshed in the whole education world <laughs> yep. for twenty for twenty-five years plus. Wow. Um but I think the it, the the decision of the consulting firm Um, really was to initially be broader than education. And we did do a number of things that were outside of the education world, Mm -hmm. um, including helping smaller businesses. Um, some, we did some restaurant business, um, Mm -hmm. support and we did, we did other things, (laughs) but I think the background that both my partner and I had in the education field was natural. Um, yeah. He had a strong, has a strong um, healthcare background as well. And so a fair amount of our activity has also been directed toward the healthcare space. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of similarity actually between education and healthcare, which nobody would ever think about. (laughs) Really? um, Yeah. In terms of industry structure. (laughs) Okay. Because you have, you have a, a corporate. uh, It's well, it, yeah, it's highly regulated. Um, and it's, it's an, it's an information, um, sort of, um, o- opaque system for the consumer. Um, and so there's a, there's a lot of unknowns when consumers choose healthcare providers and services. Yeah. It's true in education as mm. well. Mm. And, um, that's one of the, one of the things that we work on with yeah. our clients always is how to become more transparent, how to become uh, much more consumer-friendly Yeah, uh, in the whole process wow. of making a selection. Wow. I
2: want to transition us a
0: little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, let's get jump into the stuff we were going to talk about, but what, what were you going to say?
2: Well, only because it, it's fascinating to me because I feel like I've came straight from like 16 <laughs> into being an entrepreneur. Um, I guess most of the people I'm talking to are younger or people that have like started from a very young age to be entrepreneurs. I don't know too many people have transitioned from like having a more traditional going to school, getting an MBA, having some jobs, then going into something that's uh, industry specific with education. And then ha- at a certain point, transitioning from that to go and start your own <laughs> business and then have an exit from that. It's, it, I'm sure it's happening. I just, I guess I was never aware of it, but just thinking of things in, Chunks of time. I just came back from a cruise. I was talking to Ryan about just like, I'm always attempting to think of my future self. Would my 40 year old self be happy with the choices that I'm making now? Would my 50 year old self be happy with those choices? Um, last night I went to a men's group and it was very similar to that conversation. They were just thinking about in 10 year chunks in the next 10 years. Are there any regrets that you might have in the last 10 years? Is there anything that you feel like you've accomplished that moves you closer to God? Those two conversations with you, and Dave, I think I wanted to kind of merge those two, yeah. but I think it can be in a more business minded pace because I feel like this is a chapter for me that I'm going from one into another. And I'm spending a lot of time now thinking about like the next five, 10, 15 years. And I know me and Ryan are constantly having those conversations and you say I'm more of a visionary, but I think it's because I hang around a lot of older people and ask a bunch of questions and they go, oh, that's fascinating. How do I either avoid those pitfalls or lean into that? When I talked to Dave, like the first thing he said that really triggered my like, oh, I got to know him. He said acquisitions. And I was like, this is something I want to get into more. Yeah. Let me ask a lot more questions about that. But the 10-year phases, I don't know if we should break it down to 10 years or just like thinking future. Um, I'm interested in that. I don't know if this is an activity that you do, Dave or Ryan, but this is something that I... would have learned from older guys to I think they were just asking me because they were older they were like we're 80 90 (laughs) what are you doing in your 40s what are you doing in your 50s I don't know if they purposely like sat me down and go like this is an activity that you should be doing consistently is like thinking future Mm -hmm. but it has served me well there are a lot of things that I saw happening that I was able to move towards and there's a lot of things that just came out of nowhere that have knocked me off and I've readjusted but the practice of, especially going on vacation, just like really focusing on thinking through, I think coming back from this cruise, I feel like way more refreshed and I have a direction versus like, I don't know what's going on. People are asking me what I'm doing. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's a question that even they asked last night. I'm like, I don't know how to answer that question. But now I think it's a little bit more clarity with like thinking through what the future might hold and then have a direction to move in. Yeah, you
1: know, um, looking back, Um, I think that there are definitely sort of um, tasks that you should focus on in each decade of your life. Right. Mm. And if if you think of the twenties as a, as a period of exploration and, and, and sort of new starts, right. You get your education, you maybe have one or two or even more jobs where you explore different um, skill areas or passions or areas of interest um, sometimes it can also be you know a, a time of, of thinking about what don't I like, what doesn't work for me. and um, and in that sense, you know um, leaving a job, um, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, you learn something from that, right yeah. and and you you sort of figure out um, who you are, how you relate to others in the workplace, what kinds of work are most appropriate for you. And and that's a great thing. The 30s are a time when you're beginning to establish your, your roots. So, you know, you you hopefully kind of set a career direction, you you sort of figure out what some of those passions are and you begin to pursue them. Mm-hmm. And then in your 40s, you begin to really sort of establish your 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 life. So, you know, oftentimes, you know, that involves marriage and and children and you know having having a sense of place you know you bought a home and you're establishing your family and so forth 50s are a time when people are um are really thinking about the future you know that it's it's, it's for many people it's their peak earning years they should be putting away money for retirement and thinking about you know what what will life look like you know post work mm-hmm. and then you know 60s and above is a whole different time where you're you know <laughs>
2: thinking is more of a
1: concern (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know and it's uh, and and you know your 60s really are a time of thinking about legacy honestly
0: Mm. so
1: what do you leave behind how can you how can you help people who um are coming behind you to Mm. make great decisions or to help them reach their goals Mm. Uh, and that can be family members it can also be you know are uh, Christian brothers and sisters, it can be, you know, people that you just care about. So yeah, that I think I think that there are definitely there are lots of things around each of those decades, right? Mm-hmm. The, those are not discrete, but it, it seems like that's kind of
2: a way of thinking about the the main tasks of each of those decades. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think maybe I'll throw myself under the bus, but I will say most entrepreneurs probably feel like this. I always feel like I want to get things done yesterday and like time is running out. I don't know if I've ever heard it broke down like that, where it's like these are kind of by decades what you should be at least kind of close to. Because I feel now as I get closer to 40 I go, man, I, I must have messed something up. Like, how am I not reaching the goals that I want to reach? How did it not get to where I thought I'd be? And But it, it is kind of unrealistic. Like, having thoughts and ideas at 18, 19, 20, it's, like, wild to even think that I'd be able to do any of those things. But, I mean, I've been on a wild road from sleeping in my car to where I'm at now is a hmm. huge, like, path. But I'm just, like, I, I think the entrepreneurs is just, like, eager. Like, you you want to get these things done, and you want to get them done as fast as possible but having this broken down is i think even helping me just think through like oh i'm not supposed to have all this stuff figured out and i, and I am supposed to be relying on god more and this is something i talked to ryan about is like i don't constantly feel like i'm grabbing the wheel and just like god is like okay buckle your seatbelt, all right we're gonna head forward and then as soon as we get going i'm like all right god i <laughs> i know where we're going don't worry about it i got it and it's just like i feel like that's been a constant fight that i'm now in my 30s really trying to just go like okay if God is in control, how do I play my role? And even in church, now they're talking about like, God is working. How do you come alongside him and join him in whatever work is being done in the way that you are meant to, instead of like, I got the plan. I'm going to forge this forward. I feel yeah. like I'm getting better at it. I don't know. Maybe Ryan could try and be like, nah, nah. <laughs> I feel well. like I'm trying to be more led than like grab the wheel. But thinking of it in 30s 40s 50s 60s and going like oh, okay it, it is a slower journey it doesn't have to be like rushed through i'm more of the mm-hmm. rabbit when it needs to be the <laughs> t- tortoise activity slow and steady wins the race and i don't know if that's my well i MO. think you know the people like i've dealt
1: a lot with with clients who have started um organizations and it is true that at uh, um an entrepreneur with a vision is going to have a certain sort of set of goals early on. Um, I think about um, a wonderful lady who, who started um, a a chain of of preschools that eventually became um, full K-12 schools. And, and now is one of the larger groups, you know, in the United States. Um, And she, you know, she, she was an employee of an early childhood center and was not happy with what was happening. So she went out and started her own and, um, it started with one, right. And then it, then it became half a dozen and then a dozen. And, you know, pretty soon, um, you know, she, she had 25 and then was, was, <laughs> was, first you're gonna say two or three part of a much larger group yeah no but it's whether it does take time Mm. to build a business into any size um acquisition as we talked about earlier is one of the ways to accelerate that and so having uh like if if you if you think in terms of like franchise models the main thing that a franchisor has to do is to start and run several, right, so that they prove the model. Because there's nothing worse than a franchise that's really unproven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, then the franchisees start one and it doesn't work, and the whole thing falls apart. <laughs> uh, so, um, so that early phase of you know experimentation and finding the right direction, you know that that often does happen anywhere from like, you know, age 20 to age 50. I mean, it can be any place in there, but in order then for that business to grow, it needs 10 years, yeah. you know, it needs 15 years to really sort of get established and, and, uh, and become something of scale. So,
2: yeah, I guess with your audience, Ryan, I don't know um, the mindset of, like starting a side hustle Mm -hmm. to earn extra income or starting a business. Mm -hmm. But I'm starting to see like those two mindsets are maybe different. And I think it's the people that I've hung out with are more like business, like company oriented where it's like, whatever we're going to start, it's going to grow into something much bigger than just like, I need cash now. Here's some things that I could do to side hustle my way into. Absolutely. Dave, when you were thinking about leaving your corporate job were you thinking about retiring at that point or were you you knew transitioning out of that that you were going to go into starting your own company
1: yeah i thought of it as an exit ramp um
2: that you know wasn't immediate
1: uh as it turned out you know the first. Well, actually, all seven years, we're really busy. Yeah. So it was every bit as busy as, as being in the corporate world. Wow. Um, and I think, you know, depending on how much you want to put into your business, um, things like, um, you know, client acquisition, hiring and recruitment, training, mm-hmm. um, those things all take time. And, um, not, not, not to mention actually producing the product, which in the the case of consulting work product is, you know, analysis and, and report writing and so forth. Uh So, um, you know, I think, I think it's, I don't know. I don't know that I think you should go in with the end in mind, but not let it control the whole process. Um because yeah. you know, it you, you want to become immersed in what you're doing. You want you want to give full effort um if you're gonna make it really work. So that part of it, I mean, there's a lot of joy in that. There's a lot of joy in 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 seeing it work, hiring employees, you know, establishing a work culture um, that is that is different and that's that's something in the consulting firm that my business partner and i were very aligned on was what kind of employee culture we wanted to establish yeah um which which was a very positive culture very very um you know uh early responsibility letting people take responsibility maybe a step before they would have been told they were ready in a corporate environment so that they felt like they could accelerate um their careers and we hired really high potential people who were able to to really grab responsibility and run with it it was it's mm. it's been wonderful to see them do that mm. um and we you know so we we become kind of cheerleaders and coaches of this you know very able team of of young people mm. we tend to recruit generally right out of school either oh, wow. um, undergrad or grad and um and so we have an opportunity to sort of set a, create a different mindset from day one
0: um, mm-hmm. with our employees. That's awesome. Yeah. that's what we're so, trying to do with the stuff that Steven and I are doing with our VAs in the Philippines. Sorry. What were we going to say, Steven? Well,
2: I was, yeah. was going to say that we're, we're the culture thing, I guess is the more conversations that we're having now. Cause even yesterday we were having culture conversations, even with Melissa, just going like, this is what me and Ryan say, but I don't know if there's a way to actually like, Implement it. And Melissa was like, "Well, we should write it down. We should get them to write it down." And I was just like, "Oh yeah, that's a, such a simple thing." But working with other people, I think, brings out like they can, like Ryan says, like they can look at your label and then tell you like this is what you're good at, this is what we're missing, here's what I can add to the table. I think in past, I've done a bunch of these businesses either by myself or with my brother who's 10 years younger. So it was very easy to like, this is how I want to do it. This is how we're going to do it. Um, but now moving into like more joint ventures, especially with the older guys, it was like, oh, I'm just going to fall back and like you guys lead. And then whatever you need me to fill in, I can do. And then even sitting down with them and just thinking through like, what does the next five, 10 years look like? Even my friend that passed, like we had a 15-year plan and it turned into a 10-year plan, then a five-year plan, then a six-month plan because he passed so quickly. But mm-hmm. even in that, he was, like, readjusting the plan as he was coming towards his end, which I thought was fascinating. It was just like, oh, even at the end, he was very, like, future thinking mm-hmm. through That's a true. lot of this. The stage that you're at now that you've exited, it, do you have a 10-year thought-out plan? Before last night, were you thinking about, like, what does the next 10 years hold for me? Is that something that you yeah. do regularly? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You'd really have to. Um, mm. you know, if you, if you don't want to just become a, a couch potato, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, I, I mentioned the importance of legacy, you mm. know, with family members, um, with, um, with young people. I mean, I, I, I feel a real responsibility to, um, to pass on life, yeah. um, as a Christian and, mm. I think that that's, 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 that's the best legacy, you know, to whoever we are, um, with, Mm. but at the same time, um, you know, there are financial things too, that you have to take care of, Mm. um, when you get to this stage. So there's a, there's a need to do that as well.
0: Yeah. What does it look like practically? You think. What do you think the next ten years look like for you practically, as far as um, a next a next business venture, or or are you done, or what's that legacy look <laughs> yeah. like with uh, just what you talked about? What do you feel like a day to day? What your day is going to look like now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, short
1: term, we're actually involved in some real estate projects. Cool. Uh, um, and okay. yeah, I am an I am an Airbnb host. So oh, fun. <laughs> so yeah, complete that's that's been my side game. Okay. <laughs> uh for for quite a few years now. Yeah. Um, and uh and we enjoy that because it gives us a chance to meet people and Okay. Um and 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 we we like real estate anyway. Yeah. Um but we're we're renovating a house um in St. Petersburg, which is kind of fun. So that'll that'll take up, you know, the next year or so. After that, I really have to think about it because um, I think there's an opportunity to do mentoring, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of what's in my head. Um, But I don't know exactly the form that that will take yet.
2: Yeah, and this is thought- recorded too. So when you try to run away from me later, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for reminding me of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> remember you said you wanted to help out. <laughs> yeah, That's you get sick of my questions. And I'm like, nah, this is this is on tape. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> interesting.
0: <laughs> well, oh. <Uh-oh. laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, Yo, you want to backtrack on that statement? Mentoring, well, yeah. <laughs> mentoring people yeah, in their
0: twenties.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I you whatever, whatever I, age I have cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: right.
1: Um, yeah. Well, actually, there. I mean, yeah, I am meeting with a few different people. Okay. Um, Stephen being the, among them, just <laughs> in, informally, because you know there is there's some knowledge to share. That's right. Yeah. That's that's basically. Um yeah I they, I've been asked to consider there's an organization that actually does um sort of formalizes this um they're a Christian organization but they go to countries where they maybe it's not so open you know mm-hmm. to Christian missions or um, ministry uh, yes. but is more oriented toward um, business sharing and Ooh. um and healthcare and they've provided a lot of support and they've asked me to consider doing some some wow. work with them Incredible. too. would so. that
0: be volunteer or paid?
1: yeah yeah it's volunteer volunteer yeah.
0: wow that's yeah. awesome yeah it's more
1: than volunteer because you have to pay your own way as well. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> <laughs> wow
0: that's so cool
1: so it's a commitment of resources uh sure. not just time yeah you know. wow but but it's kind of it is kind of cool because i think you know it it is a in my particular case, because I spent so many years, I mean, I worked essentially nine years in Switzerland, four years in the UK, mm-hmm. um, and then I've had other, you know, international responsibilities in my career. Mm-hmm. It's an—it's kind of a nice use of, yeah. of that background. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But we'll see you know, just praying about that now. That's so awesome. Is that, so being in your position where people are coming to you like Steven and asking questions and seeking out (laughs) your advice, like, is there advice on like the best way to approach that? Um, Like, you know, um, you know, uh, there's, uh, you hear like people say that the, you know, successful people are the most generous and you seem like you're probably a very generous guy. And so you love to be able to help people. Um, But you obviously can't spend 20 hours a day talking to people and mentoring people and going to lunch and Hey, Hey, David, can I pick your brain? And all those things. I mean, there's comes to the, that. There is a cost there of your time. So is there an appropriate way? If I like, let's say, for example, I, I feel like, man, you know, I really think David's a good guy. I want him to get to know him. Is it in, in your mind? Is there a path to make that connection to reach a, a good way to say that to, to make you say, yeah, I'll hang out with this guy. Like how, um, how does somebody who's younger or even not even younger, they just like see you as somebody they could glean from what, what would make you say yes to going out to lunch, going to coffee, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, being, being retired, I have more
0: time than I ever have before,
1: sure. you know? So, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty flexible in, in my schedule. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, at this point, I, I'm not particularly picky, you know, I feel like, I feel like God brings people to me yeah. um, <laughs> that, you know, hopefully, you know, there's, there's a bigger plan behind it. So yeah. if I can be part of that, I'm that's awesome. happy to be. Yeah. Wow.
2: I guess I'd step in from a younger person's uh, perspective is, it is kind of hard to identify or find people that you'd want to emulate. It's a bunch of asking and talking to a lot of people and just asking a bunch of questions. And then just kind of seeing, like, what do they do for work? Where are they at in their life? I think now what they've kind of laid out is another guidepost for you, just going, like, is this person in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s? Are they hitting some of these things? Are they doing stuff that I might want to be doing? Because I would dare say, like, if I would have met you even – right before you transitioned into consulting like i don't think there would have been much that we had in common like the acquisitions part for the company and then i would have asked you very specific questions on that and then seen like oh that's only really an education this isn't really somebody i can glean more information from which i would have probably been wrong at that point because you transitioned into having a company but it's from a younger person it's asking a bunch of questions and harassing people is essentially what it is. Like the mentors that I found that were much older in real estate, they had a lot of time, but it was very hard to find where they were at. I went to real estate meetings. Sometimes they'd be there. Sometimes they wouldn't. And then I found that they met at a McDonald's and I just went up there. It was like, there was no invitation. It wasn't like they were telling me they c- that you couldn't come, but it made it kind of difficult for people to come. Then I found out where one of them lived and I just parked in front of his house. Like it was probably <laughs> very aggressive. And I don't know if that's something that I would recommend, but he was in his 80s. And it, like I was like, I can drive him. Like the, whatever you need to do today, I can clear out the time to make it happen to spend time wow. with these people. So wow. as a younger person, like finding time for yourself to spend time with them mm. and you're going to get a lot of no's you're going to say nick my good friend that has passed that we've done a lot of real estate stuff with the first time i met him he was like no i don't want to help you i got projects that i'm doing and i was just like okay where are you working <laughs> He was like Nah, nice try because i saw what you did to pete i'm not telling you that i asked somebody else that i found out so i just go to the job site and then i just start picking stuff up and he's like drop that leave it alone don't come back I <laughs> just keep showing up so it's it is a It's maybe difficult to kind of crack into some people or even find the people that have the time, but I would highly encourage it because it it has probably been the most beneficial thing that I've ever done is like Mm -hmm. get and find people that are older that can mentor you, or even if they don't feel like they're mentoring you, just like ask questions too, because it's been invaluable Mm -hmm. to allow me to like have a better thinking process for a future self of like Mm -hmm. what is a reality that I could reach for at a certain age. Cause even talking to Dave and just seeing that it's broken down into stages. Now, next time I talk, I go, okay, now that I'm here, what should the next 10 years look like? Instead of just like, what does it look like when I'm 80? Let's dial it back a little bit and go what at forties in my forties, what should I be doing? That's good.
1: Well, you know, I, I think that's great. And, and um, I think there's a responsibility um, of, and I'll, I'll put it in, you know, Christian terms. Christian men are, are, commanded to mentor the younger men Mm, Uh, there's there's a responsibility um but it's it's way better than that it's a it's a huge privilege and um so i i just look at it as you know god orchestrates these meetings and um there may be um it may it may be easy to do or um you know, may require a little bit of, of sort of
0: coordination, but it's, it's, it's a joy for me. I, wow. I love it and, awesome. and really appreciate it. Love it. David, I got to run and take my an appointment. I appreciate you jumping on with us. It's been kind of a different type of episode where Steven last minute, Hey, let's have this guy on, <laughs> this has been fascinating and it's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for all that you've, you, know, all the knowledge you've shared and, uh, just, I just pray blessings over you in your next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, however long <laughs> you're going to be around here. Um, but, uh, Hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't want to, you don't want to be around 30 more? <laughs> yeah.
2: Try to get away from me, Dave.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of Stephen. God, please take me. Statistically speaking. All right. Well, I appreciate you so much. This has been a pleasure. Thanks for all having me. Right. Likewise. You know, all okay. All, all right. right. Take See again. you, guys. Bye-bye, everyone. See you next week.